Alex, you don't understand. It's big, it's scary, and it's pink. It's an Alaskan bullworm. No, it's just tremors. Oh, yeah, you're right. The girls who cried be horror. Hi, everybody, and welcome to our very first episode of 2022 of The Girls Who Cried Be Horror. I, as always, am Alex. And I'm Anya. And. We are talking about a movie that is so fun today. And you know what? You just said it was our first movie of the year, which is correct. It just reminded me how we get the Spotify rewrite for our podcast, mm-hmm. which, like, not a whole lot going on there. But the one thing it was, like, you know, looking back at your year, and it's like, you posted your first episode on January, blah, 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 and it was Maxim Overdrive. And mm-hmm. I was like, Ugh, do not fucking remind me. <laughs> I know. I was talking to Greg this morning, and I was like, it's going to be a better January episode than last year because I fucking hated Maximum Overdrive, and I was I in a well, mood. It, it didn't help that it was one of our ones where neither of us had watched it, so there was yeah. truly no – and then we both watched it, and we are like, and now we've committed to this, and we have to talk about it. Is that the only time we've done that? Watch when we both haven't watched? No, I'd never seen Dolls. Neither had I. Okay. But that um, was a success. That was a banger. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm so excited to talk about Tremors. I've seen Tremors a, a few times. I, it's one of the ones that not only have I seen it before, but I've seen it several times. Yeah, Tremors is a movie that I definitely like, grew up on, but I hadn't seen in over a decade, for sure. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Tremors is a movie that I don't remember how old I was the first time I saw it, but I would probably guess maybe like between like eight and ten maybe and I'll never forget it it has like stuck deeply in my brain because I remember specifically being at home in my living room watching it with my mom it was probably like on tv on like fx or something and I was like really really enjoying it I don't know if I thought it was scary or not but I like was super into it and then I remember it ended and she was like okay we have to go to the dentist now and we like opened the front door and I just had this like visceral fear that oh, I was no. going to, like, step onto my porch, and even though it was, like, fucking, you know, concrete, that, like, a worm was going to come up and get me, and I was so scared to go to her car, but I, like, couldn't say anything, and I was like, okay, yeah, we're going to go to the dentist now, like, terrified the fucking graboid was going to get me. Oh. oh, my God, that's so funny. <laughs> and, I mean, I think I've watched, like, <clears throat> definitely the second and the third ones also growing up, but I think maybe just the one time, and I haven't seen any of the any of them really since I was probably a child so this was a really fun rewatch I remembered like a good amount of it but also I think it's a lot darker than I had really remembered it being in terms of like the deaths that's interesting that you say that um because what I was gonna bring up is I also yes watched it growing up for me it was like one of the like a sci-fi classic an AMC classic Mm -hmm. that's where I would tend to see it and it was one of those ones that my mom like liked or like had seen and would put on like oh tremors gotta watch tremors like almost like as a joke so I don't know like growing up I'd ever like watched it front to back but there's like a lot of movies like that for me mm-hmm. where like I knew I saw it but did I have the attention span at the time to sit down and be like I'm gonna watch this movie I've never seen before front to back no ma'am um since then obviously I've seen it front to back a few times um but something that I feel like I, especially on this rewatch when I was like very much like I have to pay attention and remember things to talk about it, I was like, honestly, I wish it went harder. Like, I like it, and I, we'll get into this all, but like something for me was like, I almost wish that there was like more like carnage. Like, people definitely die, 
But, like, a lot of it you don't see because it's, like, being grabbed and pulled into the ground, mm-hmm. which is scary. But I almost, like, I don't know if I was hoping for, like, a fucking Glenn from Nightmare on Elm Street blood cannon mm-hmm. or some shit. But, so it's interesting that you felt it was much darker because... Well, yeah, because I, th- I mean, it, there's definitely not much gore, like, at all. I think there's only a couple yeah. instances of blood, and it's usually from when they kill the worms. Um, but for me, I think, I think probably as a child, the, like, they didn't scare me because there is no, like, graphic gore. But watching it this time through, and I'm sure we'll, we'll get to a lot of specific deaths, um, so I don't want to talk too much about it, but I felt like what was scary about a lot of the deaths is what you don't see and just like imagining being that person because like I have such a fear of like quicksand and shit from like my childhood um and like you know suffocating and like being claustrophobic so so many of those moments where it's like someone just being like fully dragged into the dirt alive is like so terrifying psychologically for me so it's more effective honestly than if it was like someone getting their limbs ripped off because you know I have to like think about it and imagine it yeah oh I don't like it it freaks yeah. me out that's fair that's fair um but yeah so it's it's going to it was definitely interesting to revisit it as a full-grown adult mm-hmm. and kind of because I think growing up there was like I was like kind of similar to what you're saying like that the movie it's like oh my god there's big monsters under the ground like I hadn't seen a movie like that and there debatably there aren't a lot of you know off the top of my head horror movies that I can name that I'm like yeah and it's about a monster that sucks you into the ground or some shit so like as a kid it was just kind of like that fascination of like at some point like I want to watch some more of that whatever that was and then not that I was disappointed overall because I liked this movie but as an adult being like I understand my fascination with it as a child but if I was like had never even had that now and watch it for the first time I might be like eh interesting because I feel like I liked it as a child because it was, like, such an original idea to me. Because, like, the only other movie I can think of that really has a similar creature is Dune. Um, yeah, which, you yes. know, I, I've never seen the David Lynch version. Obviously, I have seen the the one that came out this year. But, yeah, you know, and then as, you know, the Spongebob reference that we, we yes, started with. the Alaskan um, bullworm, of course. Yes. But, like, I don't know. I think because it was something that I had never, like, considered it was really scary and then watching it as an adult I feel like I really appreciated more of like the campiness of it and the humor and the relationships so like I think on this rewatch even though I do love the creatures and I think that they're really cool and they're you know they're scary in their own way I think I relate more to and appreciate more the like the character studies and the dynamics between all of those people which is what I like about it yeah um so should we get into a quick synopsis? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so for a brief synopsis of Tremors, if you have not seen it, um, it takes place, oh my god, I don't remember it takes place, like Nevada or somewhere? It's the desert. It's the desert. It's in the south. Um, and it follows these two, like, hired hands um, who literally just kind of go around this, like, small desert town area. Um, I think it's called, the town's, like, called, like, Pleasantville or some called shit. Perfection perfection yeah which is ironic so and they just kind of do you know little like handyman jobs for different people but you know it's not really the life that they want so they finally get to a point where they're like fuck it like we're gonna leave town but of course conveniently as they leave town they discover a dead body that has been like stranded up on a telephone pole 
and died of dehydration, which makes no sense to them because they're like, why would you sit up somewhere for three days and not drink water? And they come to find out it's because whoever this person was couldn't come down onto the ground. So in this, you know, scramble to kind of alert the townsfolk, they found this body. More bodies start to turn up and they're like, what the fuck? Of course we picked today to try to leave town. Now everyone's fucking dying. And they discover out in the desert these giant sandworms that then get named graboids. Um that are literally just subterranean monsters they cannot see because they live under the ground that hear you by like your noise and your vibrations um and they literally are just out there to hunt and to kill people so then it becomes a story of this small town like a group of like you know seven or eight of them in this kind of like then like contained smaller area because the worms manage to like fucking block off the roads and all this other shit and destroy their cars um and they're all just, like, kind of, like, on the roofs of the buildings for then the remainder of this movie trying to, like, come up with plans. Like, how can we, like – I think our friend Trevor from um, the Old Kids Movies podcast, he had called it um, – they all play The Floor is Lava. Yeah. Um, which is kind of, yeah, the movie. So then it's just a bunch of people in this town playing The Floor is Lava with giant worms and trying to escape. And that's that's pretty much what Tremors is. Yeah, in a nutshell. You got it. Yeah. Um, okay, so, yeah, let's jump into some fun facts. Well – to Should start, we say, yeah. or are you going to, yeah. where um, it's streaming? Yes, if you want to watch it before you listen to us go in depth, um, I know it is streaming for free on Tubi, that is where I watched it, um, and I think that's really it because it's on Netflix, but as of the time that this will be coming out, it's only on until the end of 2021, which is a bummer, but maybe they will yeah. put it back up on there, but as of right now, I believe it's only on Tubi, um, but you know, if you can stand a couple ads here and there, it's really not a big deal. Yeah. Um. So Tremors came out in 1990. It is rated PG-13, and it is one hour, 36 minutes. So a nice little delicious runtime. Yeah, we love that. Um, it is directed by Ron Underwood, um, and this is actually his very first feature-length film that he ever made, which, nice. you know, pop off. Um, I think his biggest movie after that would be City Slickers, which I've never personally seen, but I know of. City Slickers with... Um... I think uh, there's a young Jake Gyllenhaal in that movie. Really? Very young, oh. yes. Well, it I was feel- his first movie, I believe. Yeah, that's his like most notable film um, credit other than Tremors. But he made a few films, and now he's like pretty heavily working in television directing. So, you know, still doing a lot of good shit. Um, aside from what they ended up going with for Tremors, they had a lot of other working titles that they were going with. Um, a few of them included Beneath Perfection, which I think is a great name. Um, Dead Silence, which... Interesting. Not really, you know. I guess it makes sense, but I'm glad they didn't go with that. And then, of course, the really campy Land Sharks. Land? Shut the fuck up. I mean, it's very clear that, like, they took a lot of inspiration from Jaws in this. Um, For sure. Yeah, but then just, like, put it in the desert. But, like, a land shark, like, is an actual thing. Like, it's a creature. It's not going to be in the desert, though, so... No. You know, what can you do? Um... I think Tremors is a great uh, name to go with, especially because there is a side plot that kind of, like, ties in pretty yes. heavily where there's a new, like, grad student who's arrived named Rhonda, and she is a seismologist, and she studies, you know, the vibrations of earthquakes in the ground. And so Tremors are, you know, vibrations in the ground. It makes a lot of sense. I think yeah. it works. Um, when this was released, it was a box office failure. It really – I think it made, like, maybe half of what its budget was. It really – was quite a flop, but when it got released at home and it got TV syndication, it became a massive success. People were fucking crazy for it, and 
I mean, obviously it has since become a cult classic, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, And it has spawned six other films. There are seven Trevor films. I said Trevor. (laughs) There are seven Tremor films in the series. Um, The latest one having been released in 2020. I want to go through that list now because I'm a completionist. And I'm sure that after like the third one, they're probably not very good. I haven't even seen any past the first one. I don't remember the second or third, but I know that I've seen them, and I know that I had a lot of fun with them. But, you know, I think they probably lean more heavily into the comedy as they go. Um, From the posters alone, they kind of seem to lean more toward as they go on, like the sci-fi Sharknado type vibes. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm going to go through them, though, and we're going to... We're going to see how they go. Um, But yeah, there's seven films. So if you enjoy this one and you are also a completionist and you want to go through, you got a lot lot to work with. There was also one season of a television show that they made that was on the Sci-Fi Channel from 2003. I don't really know much about it, but... Wasn't Kevin Bacon in it, I thought? He might have like like some. There was some pilot they shot that he like shot for, I thought. This is a long time ago I knew this, but I don't remember now. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, but I feel like if he was, he'd probably just be like a cameo or something. I don't see him reprising his role. Um, They would put him in like one episode and they'd kill him off. I would would hate that. Don't do that. That's that's the worst. At the time of filming, um, obviously Kevin Bacon was a pretty big movie star at this point. um, And he has been stated saying that he felt that this was the low point of his career. damn king he was quoted saying that he quote broke down and fell to the sidewalk screaming to my pregnant wife i can't believe i'm doing a movie about underground worms so sad but it's debatably one of the most in my opinion i feel like probably a good amount of people's opinions like one of the most iconic films of his career and not because it's like in like a laughing at him way no not at all in a way where you're like that was a fucking banger of a movie like I'm Good sure, choice. you know, I'm sure from the career that he had had up to that point, it did yeah. probably feel like, what the fuck am I doing? This, like, could go really badly. Um, but, you know, later on in his life, he then has spoken about the film and said that it was, quote, the single most fun he's ever had making a movie in his entire career. So. I, yeah, I have to imagine when you're doing a movie like this, where, once again, most of the plot is you playing the floor is lava and you're working with like a, like a, a fun ensemble where it, it's like a bigger ca- like it's not even a huge cast but it's just like a group of people we are all going to be contained in the same area for a lot of it yeah i have to imagine like yeah this is a movie where you watch it at least for me yeah i would imagine like this would be fun to make i would yeah. have fun making this yeah because like i think that this movie has a lot of different elements because there is a lot of action but there's a lot of comedy and there's a lot of like small comedic moments yes. and you know because a lot of the characters have, like, really tight-knit relationships, I feel like there's really great banter and chemistry between everybody. So, you know. And you kind of can't take yourself too seriously if you're working on a set where, like, you're supposed to be running from these, like, massive fucking dicks in the ground. Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> I did not put this down as one of my fun facts, but one of the early designs of the um, the worms had it more of, like, a less of the, like, mucusy kind of vibe with it. And instead it had more of, like, a, a hard exterior shell with are they mucusy? They don't seem. I don't yeah, when the like mucus-y. when the when the little guys inside like grab things, like it's very like mucusy. Okay. It, yeah, I mean the like actual worm itself is not, but it's like tongue parts. Yeah, well, it's funny because the tongue thing is once again to bring up the Alaskan bullworm. Yes. That part in the episode when Sandy's beating up the worm and he's like, "Sandy, that's not the worm. That's not the worm. Yeah. It's its tongue." Because like those little baby worm mm-hmm. things like are its tongue sort of. Yeah, it's kind of like alien, I guess, where it has like the inside little mouth 
literally no one is going to convince me that the Spongebob writers didn't take inspiration from Tremors. Oh, it's a thousand percent, because even the ending with how they kill it is the same. Yeah, oh my god, yeah. yeah. It's a a thousand percent a reference to Tremors. Um, But, yeah, originally the design was more of, like, uh, like a hard exterior shell with, like, some kind of, I don't know how to describe it, but they said, like, the head was, like, less, I think probably you didn't see its inside of its mouth as much, and they changed it because they said it looked too much like an uncircumcised dick nice so yeah you know, nice big earth dicks um but yeah i mean i think it seems like a really fun movie i feel like i would have had a, a great time if i was kevin bacon in 1990 um wouldn't th- we all <laughs> this was reba mcintyre's first film role literal fucking icon i'm obsessed with reba mcintyre i think she's so fucking funny i love her i mean the she's a red hair fucking time watching it and she came on the screen i was like a single mom that works two jobs and loves her kids and never stops i love that show oh my god <laughs> oh yeah i would really do anything for that fucking red hair icon um legend she i believe that she had reached out because she wanted to be in this film uh and ron underwood was very against the idea of uh, casting like a big musical star because he felt that when movies did that it was very gimmicky because they you know typically you know the transition from music to film maybe they're not going to be the best actor and he didn't want to have that like you know be a big part of his film but when she auditioned he was like completely blown away by her performance it was like oh no i'm fucking wrong i want her in my movie she's great yeah so i'm thrilled that he really kicked off her acting career because i mean to have her as trish in 2021 in barb and star oh my fucking god yeah yeah the highlight of my fucking year um Reba. <laughs> um originally the mpaa gave this an r rating but it was not rated r for violence because as we said there's really not a ton of gore but instead it was because of the language they had originally had like 20 different expletives throughout the film um and in order to get it down to a pg-13 rating they removed all of them but two so that's why a lot of the uh what would have been F-bombs in the films are more lines like, can you fly, you sucker? And we killed that mother humper. Yeah, mother humper is mother one humper. that I... Yeah, so I think it, it was... Stuck. It was a lot more vulgar language-wise when they, you know, originally had it and they had to go back and do some, uh... Yeah. Change some of those... So some of those dialogues. Um, and then, I yeah, I don't have a ton of fun facts. My last fun fact for you is that... Uh, a very early idea that they had for the Graboids, which I think I had read that in the third film, they fly, which is fun. <laughs> I like. I, mean, I have to watch these all immediately. I didn't want to go too much into like fun facts of the sequels because it wasn't going to be relevant, but I did see something because there's a line in this movie where they say like, can you fly, you sucker? Um, and I think in the third one, there's like a... I think it said, like, it was a different stage of their evolution, and they, it was called, like, the Ass Blasters or something. Yeah, it's so fun. Um, but I, every Tremors? <laughs> Tremors is going to become our new sleepaway camp, where we just oh do the God. next one in the series every season. I wouldn't hate that. Um, so, yeah, th- I think they eventually, like, evolved to being able to fly in some way, which I don't really know how that's going to work, but, you know. An early idea that they had was to have them have the ability to mimic sounds so that they could trick unsuspecting victims and like you know lure them in places by sounding like x y or z um and i mean i think that's a super cool idea but they ended up dropping it because the writers thought that these worms had like way too many special abilities clearly they don't feel that <laughs> these in the worms third. are too powerful well i do think i mean 
as a worm, you know, I wouldn't think a worm is going to be hyper intelligent, but I Wait, th- shut the fuck up. The way you just phrased that. <laughs> as a worm. Personally, as a worm. <laughs> <laughs> I am a worm, bitch. Um, you know, I wouldn't think that, like, a worm would be the most intelligent creature you have to fight, but I do think that these guys are, like, very intelligent. They, they, you know, they have a lot of tricks up their sleeves, so. <laughs> I what? can't with you. You don't think that these guys are smart? I love that you're talking about the, these dudes over here, these yeah. bros, these yeah. guys, these I think, fucking subterranean worms. Yeah, well, they're pretty intelligent if you ask me. So, you know, I thought they thought that giving them the ability to mimic sounds would be a little bit too much, but I guess, you know, they kind of throw that out the window in the sequels. Imagine one of the fucking worms just like imitating Kevin Bacon's voice. <laughs> I know, I want it. I want it. So or bad. just do, no, rather actually fuck Kevin Bacon thing, imitating Reba. Oh. Just the worm starts singing the Reba theme song. That's what I want in the next Tremors movie. Fuck. Okay, if they make another, if they make an eighth one, we're going to have to pitch that. Wow. Amazing. Kicking in fucking sci-fi's door. Stop what you're doing right now. Perfect idea. I mean, that might be what you need to break into the industry. I'm, I'll do it anything. I'll do anything. Yeah. So that's, um, that's my little background information on the film for you. Delightful. Yeah, Love so it. So let's just jump on in to the movie itself. Um, I feel like a good place to start would be to talk about our two main leads, mm-hmm. um, Earl and Val, played by Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward. Um, I just love their relationship because they have such like a bromance going on, mm-hmm. but they're, they're like very similar, but they have a, enough differences that like, that they like, can like razz on each other and, you know, they have a lot of like playful banter back and forth, but at the end of the day, like. You can tell that they love each other, and they're so sweet. Oh, my God, girl. The second fucking note, no word of a fucking like, so I'm looking at my notes right now that I wrote down. I said, they should be lovers! Exclamation <laughs> point. Because I was literally like, exactly what you're saying. Like, from the jump, like, listen, I'm not going to be someone, most of the time, that, like, anytime there's, like, you know, two guys or what two girls in a movie that are friends, and I'm like, they should be fucking, they should be fucking. <laughs> like, I'm not going to do that. But I was like... Okay, the tension and the relationship is here. Like, they're fucking, they essentially, like, live together, like, question mark, question mark, out of their truck. No, I think they have, like, I think they have very small trailers, but they, like, live next to each other. And they're, like, leaving town together. They do everything together. They work their job together. So, debatably, they're with each other from, like, sunrise Mm -hmm. to sunset every fucking day. And, like you're saying, their differences, like, they bicker like an old married couple, but, like, they clearly love each other. I was like, when, if this, if they ever do, like, obviously they're, they're continuously making Tremors movies, but in the world we live in, it's not, to put it past anyone to do a remake of one, of Tremors, like the OG, and if they do, fucking Val, and whatever the hell his other name is. Earl. Earl. Val and Earl should be lovers. You think so? Yeah, and we should not make it weird, it's just like, they are a, a gay couple, and they just, it's there. And they still have to fight this giant worm, and they're still higher hands, giving us Brokeback Mountain vibes. Like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> they should have been lovers. Yeah, they have a really great dynamic. And I feel like, for me at least, I don't really know a ton of, like, horror comedies or horror movies in general where, like, the leads are two men who have that kind of, like, male mm. friendship bond. I feel like, you know, obviously we get a lot of final girls or, like, a final girl and, like, you know, the boy next door type, but I feel like, yeah, I feel like it's more so in like comedy with like, you know, Bill and Ted or, you know. Yeah, that's true because even in horror, when you have like even a male 
like lead and it's just like the one male then you kind of get yeah it's usually like either final girl or like guy and girl couple mm-hmm. have to work together siblings siblings that's very true yeah. um maybe sometimes like you know a mother and children or, and usually if you get a standalone guy it is kind of like the 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 kurt russellification mm-hmm. of them where it's like i have i either already am this standalone badass or like i become this like don't worry hun like the a- ash and fucking army of the dead type thing of like i'm gonna take care of this we're like yeah you don't usually see kind of just like two like buddies that like play like real people like it, yes it's comedy but it isn't like this like slapstick caricature shit um yeah so that is interesting i'm sure there probably are the movies but like off the top of your head like there aren't that many that come to mind other than yeah. tremors and i feel like they could have really gone kind of one note with it but i feel like both characters are so fleshed out and especially with their relationship to each other where like they know each other so well and they both bring things to the table where like in some instances like Kevin Bacon's character Val will be the one like in the end who uses his knowledge from like his relationship with Earl because yes uh, spoiler alert the way that he defeats the graboid in the end is by having it like essentially run off the cliff and he's he knows to do that because he's heard the stampede story that Earl has told him time and time and time again of when he was in the stampede and they were all running for the horizon and he put two and two together because the relationship is so tight-knit and beautiful and loving that you know their bond is really what saves them and I think they both bring different things to the table they you know are both very athletic and able to fight the creatures but also like they're not the brightest bulbs necessarily so they have Rhonda as like their perfect wing woman who has like Mm -hmm. the smarts to pole vault and look at fucking seismographs and shit it's just I think a very, very well-rounded, you know, duo. And also, I think her addition adds a lot to it as well. Oh, my God. Are we Val and Earl? Oh, my God. Well, I think you're Earl. You think I'm no, Earl? No, I think I'm Earl. I think you're Val. I, I, don't, I don't know which is a better one to be. I want to be Earl. I was thinking you were Earl. And I, okay. And I do think, listen, I don't dislike Val. But I think just, like, I don't know, actually. Val's more of, like, the himbo type. And I think yeah. Earl is more of the, like, slightly older, wiser. Yeah, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> like here, here it is. <laughs> more like, he's more of a country bumpkin, I think, than Val is. Val seems like someone who would love to buck. be in the city and thrive, yeah. but is kind of, like, stuck, stuck with in this, like, is. podunk yeah. little town with fucking 14 people in it. And I feel, yeah, because I feel like Val's the one who kind of pushes them to, to take off and, like, start a new life. Um, Yes. I agree. And something I was going to bring up, mm-hmm. kind of going tangentially off of Val and Earl and then bringing in Rhonda to the situation was um, there was just this moment at the beginning, which obviously is a setup for then Kevin Bacon falling in love with Rhonda, mm-hmm. blah, blah. Like, we have to have it. Um, in which they like, they're like, oh my God, the new seismologist is here, the new grad student. Like, I heard she's a girl. And they like, yeah. like take the fuck off through the desert to get toward her. And as they're getting there, like, Kevin Bacon is like, oh, like, I hope that she, like, is blonde and has big green eyes and, like, essentially big boobs and nice ass and, like, legs that go all the way up or whatever. Mm-hmm. We were like, it went to, and they get to her and she's a beautiful woman, but she is not blonde, doesn't have big green eyes. Her, neither her ass or her boobs are particularly huge. Yeah. I mean, she's and wearing, like, She is, her body clothes. type is average, but she's very, very beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so it was just one of those weird things where it was like, then you have Earl's character who, like, when they pull, because, like, Kevin Bacon, like, won't, like, give in to the fact that, like, he clearly, like, still likes this girl, but it's, like, it's not his dream pinup girl. Mm-hmm. And so then Earl's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? So in that moment, I was like, yeah, Earl, fucking tell Kevin Bacon off, like, for this, like, you know, unrealistic, like, version of a woman or what the fuck ever or, like, only liking this ideal woman. And then he was, like, saying, he's, Earl was saying something about, like, you know, like, a sense, somebody affected, like, those girls that, like, you want or whatever, like, they aren't hardworking, like, they would bust a finger, like, something like that, where then, of course, I was like, well, where it was just, like, I wanted, I wanted Earl to be, like, so a thousand percent right in that moment, like, yeah, fucking tell Kevin Bacon off, like, he should respect women more, but then I was like, "Mm, well, he shouldn't, like, you know, like, judge these women because they don't fit this, like, fucking specific, like, archetype that he wants, that, presumably will be hard for him to find like i'm sure there are women out there that are blonde green eyes big boobs nice ass long legs and they have just as much value as Rhonda, the seismologist um and of course in a podcast run by women i just felt i needed to bring it up that you know what if that girl ended up being if the seismologist ended up being kevin bacon's dream pinup girl at the same time i would believe it i believe that whether you are a dainty and never want to fucking break a nail and never do hard labor, or you're a, a girly that wants to get, you know, dirt under her fingernails and do rough work, both are incredible. And I think that you're amazing and, you know, worthy of love. And <laughs> I I just love women. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that her <clears throat> hair color or her body type determine her intelligence level or her capabilities in any way. I think, you know, they wanted to kind of portray, like, the opposite of what his type is which you know very intelligent very analytical dark hair um you know more just like average i guess on like an every woman kind of sense very feminist um which is not the like fucking sex pot that he is obviously going for but i do think in that moment where it's like the one thing that bothered me about that scene is they like i also i love the score that's happening around here because it's just like this fucking crazy harmonica going and it's so goofy and silly and like Mm -hmm. you just immediately know like the tone that they're gonna have the whole film you're like okay this is gonna be a fun ride like i'm not gonna take this too seriously but they like fucking whip off the road into the dirt like right at her and she comes up and they like introduce each other and then she's like all right sorry to bother you guys bye and he's like no problem and i'm like you drove up to her like yeah. she's why is she apologizing? You fucking tore ass through the desert to yeah. get to her little site. And she's like, "Okay, guys, thanks. Sorry to bother you. Have a good day." And I'm like, "Girl, they they came to you. Do not apologize." It's a, women's inherent need to apologize. It's, it's true. How we've been fucking trained, unfortunately. But something you brought up, mm-hmm. kind of, I think it better summed up maybe what I was trying to say when you're talking about how Rhonda then they purposely show you the pictures and taped his fucking mm-hmm. like mirror or whatever the fuck um and like he's out loud saying like i want this and this and this and this and this and then she presumably doesn't have any of those things so it's like the opposite but they're like i don't know it's one of those things where it's like once again it's like but like look at how different she is like yeah she is this like she's intelligent she's hardworking, and it's like why because she's a brunette right right like it's just like what she could have been blonde with fucking huge tits and still been like super fucking smart so it's like one of those things where it's like i get it and sure, like, I love, I guess, like, being, like, we're going to give tomboy representation. But at the same time, like, it's also just, like, she still is this incredibly beautiful woman. Like, she isn't, like, the goofiest thing about her is she, like, in that scene, like, has suntan lotion, like, on her nose. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just one of things where it's, like, yes, okay, she's beautiful. It's just one of those things where it's, like, it's the classic thing of, like, 
oh, this, like, woman we're supposed to believe is, like, really, like, frumpy, and yeah, he falls yeah, in love yeah. with her still, and it's like, she's beautiful, what the fuck? Yeah, I do think my issue with that is that because of all of those qualities, I do think that her character is somewhat written just to give Kevin Bacon's character a bit of like growth and depth because oh, throughout yeah. the film he comes to realize that oh maybe the things that I'm looking for are not necessarily what I actually want or need and then you know in the end he you know, he's very awkward with her in the end and it's very weird but like clearly he has some kind of feelings for her and it's supposed to be this like growth of a character for him but honestly for me I would have preferred like her to maybe go with Earl because I think <laughs> Earl kind of saw from the jump that, I like, there's nothing wrong with her. Like, Earl look, would look at her as, like, more of, like, oh, yeah. she's a cute little girl, but, like... But I would have rather they had her. the romance with Earl because I just... I don't like that Kevin Bacon was so, like, materialistic and, like... He had to almost of, be, like, coaxed into it. Like, no, you yeah. do like this. You do want this. And I don't I don't think that that's satisfying. And she deserves someone that would see her and immediately recognize her beauty and her intelligence exactly. and, and her, And I feel like you know. Earl does that, and I think Earl's very kind to her and very, like... Absolutely. ...normal and... I think I also just like Earl as a character a lot more. So I agree. I would have preferred maybe there have been if there had to be romance, it would have gone Earl's way. But you know, I understand what they needed to do. But well, it's not, so funny, yeah, because like to continue on this fucking talking point is that something that I noticed, and it's funny because it's like it made me realize I was like I like that this is here. But it's also, like, a reminder that, like, the bar's on the fucking floor for men. <laughs> like, it truly is. And I, like, unfortunately, I'm still trying to deprogram my brain from that. Where it's after she gets, like, caught in the barbed wire. Mm-hmm. And she gets pulled out of her pants. So she's running around in, like, her little socks and her underwear. And they run back into the place and they're fine. And she's all cut up from the barbed wire. So Kevin Bacon, fucking shit job, by the way. Covering <laughs> up these wounds. Like, he's bare- he's doing a horrible job of this. But he's, like, cleaning her wounds on her leg. And they show, like, her legs, and she has, like, very, like, her hair is brown, but her, like, body hair seems to be very light-colored, because she has hair on her legs. Like, it's, like, lighter, so it isn't just, like, which, all hair is fine. And this is the whole point. It's just, like, I had this moment of being, like, oh, my God, and, like, Kevin Bacon, like, still, like, likes her and, like, isn't being weird about the fact that she, like, hasn't (laughs) shaved her legs. And I was, like, yeah, because, like, he shouldn't. Like, that, like, the fact that I'm, like, he's different than the rest of them. Yeah, no. (laughs) Like, literally bar on the fucking floor, girl. I was, like, I need to seek help because I, I, the last time I watched this, I had thought about that. I was, like, oh, my God. And then this time I was rewatching it with my sister Bridget and her friend who was visiting from out of town, Trista, and I made a comment about it, and they were literally like, yeah, bar on the fucking floor. Like, oh, oh my God, he doesn't care that I have body hair? Yeah. Like, <laughs> so. I mean, I guess for 1990, that was probably like, wow. Because I guess, because I do think that they wanted to like, portray her as like the intelligent feminist and so i think they were like oh she has body hair because she's a feminist and she doesn't need to shave for men and it's like nobody needs to fucking shave their body if they don't want to but also like yeah and she's hardworking. she's like out in the fucking yeah. desert like i'm yeah. sure i mean not that she has nowhere to live and you know whatever but like maybe she's fucking want to it's just one of those things where it's like yeah and of course it was maybe a different time it was in the 90s um which now thankfully we live in a world not fully but like we definitely ventured more toward normalizing like all of this stuff Mm -hmm. because like it is natural and it's normal and it doesn't make you gross or like not sexy or unworthy of love or any of those things but it was just one of those things unfortunately being a woman 
I will speak for myself, where, like, you feel bad about your body all the time, whether, like, you know, I'm too fat or, like, I'm too hairy or, like, this part of me is weird because it doesn't match this, that when you see something, even still on this fucking beautiful fucking woman, like, amazing body, whatever, and the fucking, once again, bar on the floor, she has, like, some, like, fucking almost peach fuzz, pretty much, on Mm -hmm. her fucking legs, and Kevin Bacon's still touching her, and I'm like, oh my god! (laughs) Like, it's sad, bro, it's sad. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna disagree with you. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking sad, dog. <clears throat> uh, I I vote also for the remake on top of being um gay Val and Earl mm-hmm. that um none of the women in the movie shave full armpit hair. Okay, I mean they uh, they hairy do legs. Live. I mean I think that that would be a great transition into another topic I wanted to talk about because I mean, granted, no matter where you live, you can shave your entire body if you want. You can be a fucking Harry Queen, who cares? But, yeah. I mean, the setting for this film, like we said, is th- kind of the middle of nowhere. They're in the desert. They're surrounded by mountains and, you know, open space. Um, and there's a population of 14 people. So, who the fuck are you shaving for? Like, oh, the fucking yeah. guy that runs the store down the street? Like, no. But I think the setting of this, I mean, and I wanted to ask you, because I know how much you love small town horror in terms of, like, Correct. you know by the coast and like very Stephen King type um, settings. But I really love this because I think isolation horror is so effective if you do it well and if you have well-rounded creative characters because when you do have a setting like this, you really have to rely on the characters to keep you engaged and to have realistic and, you know, intriguing relationships with each other. Um, so I just wanted to know your just initial thoughts about the setting of perfection, about, you know, the storefronts they use because really there's only I think a couple of interior actual sets that they use which is the store and maybe like the inside of um Bert's bunker mm-hmm. and then pretty much everything else is an exterior like out in the desert in the wilderness kind of secluded from society yeah oh well it's funny because even having seen it several times like every time I like think about it offhandedly like and visualize it, I visualize the scenes of, like, they're in a desert. So it mm-hmm. feels like it's just, like, this huge open space. And I almost forget that, like, it is true to a certain degree, like, an ensemble horror. Like, yes, very clearly, like, it's kind of, like, Rhonda, Earl, Val, like, leading the pack with some side characters. But, like, mm-hmm. for a good portion of the movie when they're, like, in the middle of the town that is very small, like, it is an ensemble. And I had a moment when I was watching it, I think it's a moment when they're like kind of like all outside the storefront and they're like kind of like prepping like what are we gonna do blah blah blah, where I was like oh this is like kind of a small town horror thing and I love that so it's one of those things where it's like I always forget and then I'm like pleasantly reminded each time where I'm like oh yeah and there's there's a shot that I really like um where they're up on the rooftops at this point and it's like most of them on the store then Ron is right next to them on the water tank the fucking little kid the annoying fucking kid is on the fucking outhouse or whatever right across the street is the mom and the daughter on their roof and then in viewing distance with like binoculars is um Rhonda not Rhonda Jesus Bert's bunker um with uh Heather uh which is Miss Reba um and I just kind of liked where I was like even the people that don't live on this one street in this quote-unquote town like they are still like because it's a fucking flat ass desert there's no fucking trees. There's no nothing. You can literally just look up and still see someone's house and, like, walkie-talkie distance or radio distance away. Like, yeah. So I was definitely a fan. As you said, yeah. I I love 
I definitely love suburban horror specifically because having grown up in suburbia. But yes, I am also a fan very much of ensemble horror and specifically within that ensemble horror that takes place in like small community type things. Which is why I think I love Scream so much is because even though it's not particularly, I wouldn't say Woodsboro is per se small town. Like it is just like, it feels like, once again, like my town. Like I didn't grow up in a small town, but I grew up like in a town. Where, like, you kind of, like, know where everything is and you know a good amount of people. And even if you aren't, like, friends with somebody, like, you – if someone, like, got killed, you wouldn't be like, oh, my God, I know who that is. And, like, that adds to the fear for it. Like, something that, like, is, like, your home or, like, feels so familiar to you to all of a sudden become this foreign, scary place. And I think it's still the same here because these people that, like, have grown up in these towns – and, like, you're saying, like, you kind of – it's 14 fucking people. You know everybody in it. And then all of a sudden, this, like, debatably alien fucking creature comes to tear shit up. It's the same principle. Yeah, and I think it adds a lot of claustrophobia to it. I think it just kind of, like, ups the stakes of everything because, you know, obviously they have that whole concept where, like, the road is blocked off and nobody is, like, going to come and get them. And before they realize what it is, you know, they think that there's a fucking murderer going to get everybody that's, like, you know, in the town, and if if that were the case, and there's like a fucking serial killer on the loose, there's 14 of you. Like, you're not gonna make it very far. You're not gonna. You don't have a lot of people to wait to get picked off before you're inevitably the next victim. So I think it it adds a lot of stress and like urgency because it is such a small town, and there's not really not much that you can do. There's not much, not many places you can run to. Um, yeah. No, I agree. I, I like the setting. It is a fun setting. And something I brought up earlier, because obviously I brought up that, like, this is not a five-star movie for me, which, spoiler, it's not, um, for reasons that I'm sure we'll continue to discuss. But something you brought up is, like, I think this movie is – I still think it's great, and it's really effective for many reasons. Like, one of them, like you said, it's – yes, it's 96 minutes or whatever the fuck, which, you know, delicious. But, like, debatably, like, it is very well-paced, which is something I very much noticed when I watched it this time, like – it's not – it's moving quickly, but not quickly in a way where you're like, okay, relax. Like, good God. Like, it's moving, like, like mm, prime fucking time. Like, perfect pacing, I would fucking debate. Like, it's like, here's these two people. Like, we are giving you, like, dialogue, but it's not, like – like, it's not, like, poorly written, like – like us having to handhold you through shit but it's like it's just like well done it's efficient like it's not reinventing the wheel in any way it's just like bam 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 and then taking in elements of other horror things that work so well and that we enjoy like kind of this like small town setting and blah 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 like and yeah even just with the pacing because when I was rewatching, I was like really like that all happens before this and it's moving so quick like the way that like it doesn't take very long honestly for the worm shit to show up i mean they find that first guy fucking hanging up there pretty soon and then Mm -hmm. yeah them continuously trying to leave and then like someone else dies and this farmer gets sucked in and blah blah blah. like there's a bunch of people that die honestly on the periphery of the town before even they like it's like honestly like four fucking separate deaths kind of before they even get into the town and like to me i was like what really then there's like kind of a whole section where it's just the three of them out in the desert doing the pole vaulting thing then they get to town there's all of that then there's the whole thing of them trying to finally escape from town and it's like all this shit that they accomplish in 96 minutes is incredibly impressive to me yeah i do think it's a testament to how well the script is was written because yeah i do because i feel like a lot of times especially with creature type movies i think you can kind of get stuck with characters making stupid decisions or like make trying things that don't really make sense here and there and kind of wasting time where like in this film every moment where they're like okay let's try this thing is exactly what i would think of 
where it's like, okay, well, like, we're going to drive around and see if we can get out of town. Okay, that doesn't work. What's the next idea? Let's, like, all arm ourselves with guns and go on horses and try that. Okay, that's not going to work. Like, every beat that they take makes sense. And it's something that I'm like, yeah, that's a a genuine thing that I could see somebody doing against these, like, big-ass worms. So it feels realistic while also feeling, like, super campy and silly, which I think holds my attention because I've never, like, you're making dumb decisions, you're being stupid, or, like, or there's no, like, obvious answer that I'm like, why aren't they doing that? Like, everything that they're doing, I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what I would do. And it's keeping my attention because I'm invested in these characters, in what they're doing, and I can kind of, like, put myself in that position as well. And I think they intelligently, like, raise the stakes in the sense Mm -hmm. of, like, the creature, the graboids getting smarter as it goes on like it does it as you were saying at the beginning of the fun facts it never gets to a point where it's like okay well jesus this is impossible like they're literally undefeatable like they have every fucking trick in the book like it doesn't get to that point but it gets to the point where it's like like in most monster movies or creature movies when they get to that point where it's like this thing is quote-unquote evil or it's just out to fucking destroy so like that it will not stop anything in its way and it will do anything it can to destroy like having these moments where it's like well it's too late like they already know that we're here like they know now and like being it like just like as it goes on and it feels like that clock is ticking like we've tried this we've tried this it's not working it's not working so already we feel like the clock is ticking we got to figure something else out but then there's the added fucking stressor of like well, now maybe things that if we had come up with, you know, an hour ago might have fucking worked, but they fucking know too much now, and that's not going to work. I Yeah, I think it's a very well-done film. Like, it is, and it, it makes me, you think, like, when you're talking about how, like, when it was released, like, flop city, and then it's just, like, for how debatably, like, good this mm-hmm. movie is, like, I like, truly, my one gripe with it is, like, that I, like, just want more, like, fucking, like, scary carnage but i could definitely be debated and swung into the camp of like well the whole point of like not ever seeing it is that it's scary which i think then i there's a problem that wants the balance of like you know something like alien where like yes i don't want to see it fully the whole time but Mm -hmm. then it gets to a certain point where i'm like okay you've like built it all up for me and now i want the fucking like big swing like take somebody out which debatably they do do by revealing the worm and like having the baby kind of worms at first and then it's like oh here comes big papa worm and oh there's three more after we killed one of them well i do think that the way that they introduce the graboids is very clever and i also think it like it builds as the film goes and i think i just think overall the creation of them is so fascinating to me because they are like weird and huge and creepy but also incredibly intelligent and they are able to adapt and watching it this time through i mean i knew that they were gonna be big worms and when i saw the little guys i was confused because i was like am i misremembering are these like i had the same weird like little fucking like slug type guys um and then you know you got the i felt like very satisfied because i with the characters got to like have that big reveal of like oh no it's this big motherfucker and these are just like the tiny tongues essentially inside of it that can grab you and pull you down. Um, but I think that the way that they slowly show you more and more and they make you think that it's like these tiny little worms until they give you that big reveal, maybe like 30, 35 minutes in when yeah. um, Val and Earl kill the first one. Um, I think that's really, really smart. And then I just love a smart, intelligent monster as well because like I said earlier, it's a worm. 
I don't personally think that worms are like top of the fucking food chain in terms of their intelligence. (laughs) So it was surprising that they made them be able to adapt and like consider their surroundings. And I think it makes it scarier that they were so adamant about killing this town because realistically like my main issue with it is just the logic of like it doesn't really make sense that these monsters would just show up one day where did they come from were they like in the earth and like asleep for all this time because like they've they say throughout the film like this is unprecedented this is like a completely new creature that we've discovered like where did it come from it had to come from somewhere so somebody else must have like experienced it before but whatever putting all that aside like i think it's scarier that it comes to the town it kills five six people and then instead of moving on to the next town it's like i know that you're here and i'm gonna fucking bide my time because what's the rush for me like i don't need to like i'll wait this guy out for three days under this fucking cell tower because i'd rather eat him than find another town like it's scary that they are so persistent in that way and i think it's because they got big old brains in that fucking worm head well then you question at what point does it then become like the jaws you know two three whatever fucking bit of you know and yes it was on blood sport originally now it's revenge because <laughs> you've killed one of us now you've killed yeah. two of us like so which of course is a classic with two things that i wanted to talk about mm-hmm. that you made me think of when you're talking um but yeah going back off the monster i think in the little tongue things the reveal is also so effective because as you're saying i have seen this within the last i feel like year honestly i feel like i watched (laughs) it maybe during fucking the our lockdown um months can't even remember at this point everything's a blur and and honestly now Mm -hmm. lord have mercy but um yeah i had the same thing where i was like i know there's big worms in this this can't just be this but then i was like so are there little worms that come first and then there's big worms like i had that moment of like kind of the same thing where i was like i know that i know this and when it happens i'll be like of course yes i was like like, am i just thinking of dune and i'm confusing myself yeah and i'm like questioning it well it's funny because when bridget was watching um she referred to it as redneck dune (laughs) and i was like you're not entirely wrong um although i don't know that anyone in this movie is a redneck i don't think no it's just you know I mean, also, it was in a time where, like, cell phones weren't really around, so everything felt, like, way more cut off. Yeah. Um, You know, and I mean, mean, it was filmed in the 80s. It came out in 90, but, you know, it has way more of, like, that 80s vibe. And obviously, Dune is set in, like, the far, far future. Right. Um, But, especially in the scene that comes, I think, I think it's the last kind of outer rim town kill before Val and Earl face it in the desert and see the big thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Is when, like, there's that couple, yada, 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 and it's the whole thing with, like, the car getting sucked in. And when the wife is in the car, and it's, like, she's being attacked on all sides by the little worms, and then they kind of, like, disappear. And then from beneath her, she kind of hears something, like, bigger. So it's that, it's it's so intelligent, because especially, I mean, us as people that have seen it before, we're already having some experience again. So then, like, being it, watching it the first time, it's like, okay, little worms. And then you're like, wait a minute. What it, like those little worms aren't making a fucking rumble or a sound like that big so you know something else as big is coming and it's so smart just to like have that moment that comes with that you know death scene but still not revealing anything 
And then waiting again and being like, now you know there's something more. So now we're going to give you a little, a tiny bit of time to like let it process and be mm-hmm. like, oh fuck, what is it going to be? What is it going to be? And then bam, there's the big worm. It just, it, it does work so well and you have to kind of applaud them for like, as I said, like kind of how efficient that it is. Like, there's nothing that sticks out to me, honestly, story-wise, that like I'm like, yeah, what the fuck? Or like, that's really dumb. Even bringing up, and I know you, you were like, whatever. But like, even the thing about like, yeah, sure, if you sit and you're like, where do these things come from? But at the end of the day, which is something I feel about a good amount of like monster movies, it's like sometimes I don't need to know. Yeah. Sometimes by you explaining it to me, you kind of ruin the fun mm-hmm. or you then do kind of the thing that kind of can kill the momentum of a movie of like we have to have the exposition, like discovery scene, which in some cases, yes, really adds to like a lore or whatever and really like, oh, fuck, heightens it. Other times I'm just like, ah, uh, you were doing this so effectively. Like it's a movie. I know that it's fiction. It doesn't exist in real world. I'm suspending my disbelief. So it's like a story. Like, I just don't need it. And, like, you think about The Quiet Place. Like, Quiet Place gives you just enough, like, maybe with, like, newspaper clippings or whatever. I don't need to know what the monsters are. I don't. And I liked the sequel, um, in which, obviously, they, like, explore more of that. And I didn't think it was bad. But one of the things where it's like, I don't need a sequel. I really don't. Like, if it's good, sure, it's good. And I'll like it and I'll eat it up. But, like... Anybody out here in these streets, you know, crying for more fucking information on, like, what these things are, you, like, miss the point. You just, like, miss the experience. Well, I think especially with Tremors, like, if they did – I don't really see how they could have potentially gone into any kind of backstory other than, like, instead of maybe having Rhonda be, like, a size – I don't know if that's even a word. Seismologist? Seismologist. Um, Like, she could have been – I don't know. She could have had some kind of knowledge of these, like, maybe ancient creatures or something. But, like, I don't think that that would fit with the vibe of the film. I think that it would make it way too long. It would, like – really bloat the whole movie and i don't think it's necessary it's i mean and they have a few lines here and there where they're like you know i don't think these boys are from like this town or something or oh yeah like, i think they're from outer space yeah or some so i mean there's like little moments where it's like they consider it but it do- yeah it doesn't matter my brain is just like always trying to find the logic and i'm like mm, if you really think about it, it doesn't fully make sense but this is a campy b horror movie i'm just gonna fucking go with the flow and ride these worms and have a good time with yeah. it. Yeah, and debatably, this specifically, I think, adds to the horror. Like, not knowing a damn thing. Because, like, mm-hmm. yeah, in theory, like, if this was real life and you were one of these people, like, there's you're not fucking figuring that shit out within the runtime of the events. Of, like, did they come from deep within the it's not what matters or whatever? in that moment. Yeah, you're like, I'm... I don't know what the fuck this is. This is fucking horrifying. I don't know where it came from. I can't even be bothered to fucking figure that out right now. We just need to know that we're in danger and we got to survive. And I think that adds to the effectiveness of feeling like you're with this group and all of it of like, yeah, we're not going to fucking, we don't have the magical like librarian or whoever the fuck that's like, I've been studying these ancient runes Mm -hmm. for years. Like, it's like, who gives a fuck? There's giant worms in the desert. We got to run. Yeah. And I do kind of love the idea that you kind of sparked in my brain of like, this is a revenge film of like maybe this is just like a little family of worms and then when the papa worm gets killed like the rest of them are like we're gonna fucking ravage this town now and just like you know because they do kind of learn from each other like when there's two worms left and they throw the like bomb into the first one that like sucks it down and then blows itself up the next worm knows not to fucking do that and it throws it back at them because it's i mean they can't see each other but like i don't know maybe they're communicating through probably there are probably oh some God. like fucking vibrations they commute or like clicks well because it's funny you bring that up because oh, yes, yes, at yes. one point in the movie they have these like little like kind of like hissing like high like they make a noise and of course as i said i'm watching this with bridget and she's like 
she thought they were the little worm tongues were crying. Oh. And literally her reaction, she was like, I don't want them to cry. I don't like, mind you, they've like <laughs> destroyed this fucking town. They're like out for fucking blood. Like women, children, no one is exempt. And she's like, oh, like, well, if they're going to die, like I don't want them to suffer. She's like, make it quick. <laughs> and I was like, interesting where your loyalties are lying. I mean, I'm not going to disagree with her on that. I mean, you know that typically I'm always going to be like any kind of animal i care way more about their pain than a human being so in a sense yeah if they were crying i did read something briefly that like the sounds that they make have then like been have gone on to be used in other films i think it was like like minion stuff too and i was like oh shut the fuck up so yeah they make little cute little noises oh i love that the idea i'm just gonna now pretend that it was just like a big family of worms on vacation trying to like National Lampoon's (laughs) Tremors family vacation. Yeah, and they just happened to stumble upon this town. They were hungry. They didn't have any money. Um, And then they got attacked by these fucking evil village people, and they had to... Two white men, girl. Uh Uh-huh. Ain't that just the way. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Was there anything else that you would like to address from this film before we move on to our favorite part? Just very briefly, Mm -hmm. I wanted to say that because we talked about it like it, this is a funny movie there was honestly even debatably some like maybe unintentionally funny bits specifically with the little wormy tongues that mm-hmm. I was just like brought me so much glee there's one point when I think it's I don't even know what fucking part it is. They're in the town at this point, and there's something where they're, like, on the, like, truck or whatever, and they're, like, fighting the worm or, like, some shit, but, like, one of the little worm tongues comes – oh, you know what it is? What is it? It might be when they've jumped, actually, from the truck – from the rocks to the truck, mm-hmm. and they're trying to get in. That's when it is. Because um, she's, like, fucking climbing in, I think, through the little window, yep. and she's just gotten into the driver's um, seat. And one tongue – comes up in front of Kevin Bacon and he just slaps it in the face and I was like oh damn and then at the same time they cut and then there's one that like just like slams its fucking head through the fucking driver's side window it's like like Mm -hmm. and it's so silly to me because it's just like sick a stupid like fucking worm puppet just like smashing through the window I love it and there was another scene when they're in the store and the fucking, like, soda machine has gone off. And they're like, mm-hmm. well, we're fucked. It's coming through the floor now. Which, once again, those shelves, rickety as fuck looking. There's no fucking way. Like, you know fucking whoever was on, like, set design or whatever had to, like, drill that shit in. Because oh, yeah. that shit looks like it's made of, like, fucking thin-ass plywood. But I believe There's, it for that town. I believe that they have shit that's yeah. gonna fall over any second. Like, I literally was, like, waiting for it to happen. Great set like, design. Someone's gonna die. Um... But one of the fucking worms, because they can't see, it comes up to one of the shelves, and there's, like, a can of, like, tomato sauce, and it, like, grabs it in its mouth, and then just, like, like, squeezes it, Mm -hmm. and it, like, explodes all over it. I was just like, oh, you silly little worm puppets. (laughs) You don't know a goddamn thing, and I love it. They are kind of cute, if you really think about it. Loki, if you think about it for too long, you're like, wait, do I stand? Are they the heroes of the film? You literally. Okay. I guess it is time to move on to our favorite part of the episode, our cue and slay. (laughs) Oh, I feel at peace again now that we're back at the cue and slay. (laughs) I never feel right when when I'm not here. (laughs) All right. How about you start us off this this week? Okay, Miss Ma'am. What is your favorite line from the movie? Okay, so I have two favorite lines. Okay. Um, one is kind of stupid, but one is my first You might one, honestly have mine. Okay, probably. I mean, it is a really good script. I think there's a lot of really good lines. Um, yeah. But my favorite line, hands down, comes from Bert. 
Okay, not me. No? Okay. Not my, not my it line. is, well, Bert, just to give a little background, because we haven't really talked too much about him, um, he is the, like, survivalist guy. He's married to Reba McIntyre's character, Heather, and he's been prepared for the end of the world, for World War Three. Like, he is good to go. He's, you know, he has a thousand fucking guns. He's everything. He's, you know, without him, honestly, they probably wouldn't have survived because he had so many weapons that they used he against the, the he, Every weapon in the movie comes from Bert. I want to ask you something. Do you think that he was uh, supposed to be some kind of Burt Reynolds with Shut that mustache and the name Burt and being like, I need to bring this up now and it will get brought up, I'm sure, in moments. As I said, watching this with Bridget and when Earl comes on the screen, mm-hmm. she's like, oh my God, why does he look like John Bernthal? And I was like, you're right, he does. Oh, yeah. He looks like an older age John Bernthal. And I am a John Bernthal baddie. So I was so like, is Christine. fuck yeah. Oh, he's so fine. Um... <laughs> I'll get back to John Bernthal. Um, But then, so we're, we're going on. And it literally was the scene, I think, when Melvin, the fucking annoying kid, comes mm-hmm. out. And he's, like, pretending he's being eaten by, like, the worm tongue that they severed. And they're like, what the fuck? Like, why are you doing that? And, like, Bert gets in his face and is like, essentially, like, don't fucking do that. Like, I could have fucking killed you. And Bridget, and I wasn't, I shit you not, bro, hand to the Lord Jesus Christ, I was not thinking this. Bridget's like, why does he look like, like a Walmart Pedro Pascal? And I was like, to whom are you fucking referring to? And she was like, that guy or whatever. I was like, the guy with the mustache? And she, I was like, she's like, yeah. And I was like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. And she's like, look. She's like, you don't see it? And I was like, maybe. Like, maybe like Walgreens, Pedro Pascal, like whatever. And then as movie went on, I was like, fuck you. Yeah, honestly, the, you so hard. the second I, I know, saw him. Dog, I didn't even retain his fucking name. As you know, I'm so bad with names. Real names, fake names. I, like, will not. I, I watched Seasons of Survivor and not know anybody's fucking name until, like, we were down to the final mm-hmm. three. Like, Roberto, who I watch with, I'll, he'll be like, well, we'll be talking about people. I'm like, which one? Which, like, <laughs> oh, which, what is their hairstyle? What are they wearing? I don't fucking remember. Um, I didn't know his name was Bert until afterwards when I was taking notes and I was on the IMDb and, like, typing shit in. And I was like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Not his name being fucking Bert. The second I saw him, I was like, why is this a weird combination of Burt Reynolds and Pedro Pascal? Like, why is this Anya's fucking, like, because, like, I don't think he's necessarily this man. Like, I'm not attracted to this man. But, like, he he did remind me of both Pedro and Burt. And then when I saw his name was Burt, I was like, okay, is this, like, an intentional thing? But I didn't read anything about it. Where I, too, once again cross my heart hope to fucking die had no attraction i wasn't fucking thinking about anyone being but i was like, honestly if i was gonna think anyone was hot it was probably gonna be fucking kevin bacon as val no earl. Also, wait, <laughs> fuck team earl um if it was john bernthal girl hands down um but and then of course the seed gets planted and i was like well fuck <laughs> well now he's hot now now i'm into bert um yeah i mean I, going back to your original question yes i could see it. Okay. I mean, cool. at the end of the day, like w- when I write things, if someone's inspired by somebody, like sometimes names like have a great importance, and other times you're like, I just need to put a name here. And this guy's like, you know, like sort of not. He's not really a cowboy, but like sure, like he's like rootin' tootin' whatever the fuck. Let's name him Bert. He has a mustache. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I love that that guy is in every single Tremors movie. He is. He really. He becomes like the star of them all. I love that for him. Yeah, good for him. I think that's incredible. Um. Yeah, I also just want to throw in an unsolicited uh, opinion that I am deeply unattracted to Kevin Bacon. Always have been, always will be. I feel like we've talked about this before. I have no feelings about Kevin Bacon. Uh, I'm not. A, I'm not particularly a Kevin Bacon fan, but you know, it's okay. As far as I know, he's done no wrong. I don't so dislike I don't him as a person. Him. Yeah, I just you know, he's never somebody that I'm like, oh yes, I gotta watch this Kevin Bacon movie. Like, mm, yeah, he, I don't have any any thoughts really. about it. Anyway, going back to my favorite line. Um, yeah. 
So yes, Bert is that character. Um, and so the moment is they have taken like I think it's like a the cat, which is like the big um, yes vehicle like, that like tows things and has like the big um, like plow on the front and they're they've hitched it to like this big carriage type thing where all the people are going in and so they all get into it and they're going to pick up Bert and Heather because they need to try to get to the fucking mountains and escape. So. I mean, this is, like, I think it's supposed to be a moment of comedy, but it's, like, so infuriating where, like, when they stop the vehicle, the worms can, like, try to attack them. And Heather and Bert are taking so fucking long oh to my get God, their do shit. Because they're trying to take every fucking weapon that they have, every gun, every bullet, every little grenade. They're just, like, slowly collecting it all, and they're all screaming at them to, like, get in the fucking thing. Like, we gotta go. And so eventually they get in, and they start driving away, and Bert is just looking back at his house that he has built for this moment just like so devastated and oh, he yeah. says food for five years one thousand thousands of gallons of gas air filtration water filtration geiger counter bomb shelter underground goddamn monsters and i loved that i was like the way yeah. that you can be fucking prepared for any kind of strike except for fucking worms coming up from the ground you're not ready i really did feel bad for them because they didn't strike me as like I mean, maybe, but also, like, it's a small town. It, they weren't really put in a situation to give context to any of this. But, like, in the context of this movie, they didn't strike me as, like, I'm a Republican. You can't take my gun from me. It literally felt like, yes, they had a lot of guns, but, like, it was fully, like... Protection. For, like, kind of, like, a, the end of the world mm-hmm. type situation. Like, yeah. they didn't seem like the type that, like, walking through town with their fucking AK-47. Like, they were no. all, like, locked up downstairs. They didn't have kids that were going to get into them. Um... Once again, this is also fake. It's a fake movie. So, like, this is not my... Yeah, I'm going to get into a real conversation about, you know, the use of guns IRL. Um, oh, are you thinking... Alex is noticing my Christmas Baby Yoda shirt. It's so cute. It's um, so cute. Yeah, no, that line just, like, I thought it was... I just felt bad for them. Funny. I was like, yeah, like, they, like, took yeah. so much time to prep for, like, the doomsday shelter, which, think it's silly or not, that takes a lot of time and preparation, and oh, then it's yeah. really all fucked by fucking underground worms. Yeah. I just love the irony of it. And then my other line is very stupid and small, but it was pretty early on when they're like all separating to go try to like find a way out and it's when Val and Earl are getting on their um the horses and the, the guy who runs the the store Walter Chang just yeah. comes up to him and goes Earl here's some Swiss cheese and some bullets and I just thought it was so fucking funny his delivery of it like uh, I love the idea of being like I'm gonna give you something you know that you need and then also maybe some Swiss cheese and some snacks for the yeah, I love some it so Swiss cute cheese. so sweet some Swiss cheese and some bullets. That's iconic. You actually didn't take my line. My yeah. line is very, even earlier than that, even before they know that anything's fucking wrong. I think it might be the first time they stop into Walter's shop and, like, there's people in there. And somebody, oh, you know what it is? It's Walter, the machine, the fucking soda machine is, like, making a noise. And mm-hmm. he, like, says something about, like, needing them to fix it. And they're like, oh, I can't, Walter, we got a schedule to keep, blah, blah, blah. And then Val has the line where he says, like, we plan ahead. That way we don't do anything right now. <laughs> and I was like, um, yeah, I love that. It's like, it's almost like the exact opposite while being simultaneously the same thing as procrastination, mm-hmm. where it's like, no, 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 like I'm planning, like I'm organized, but organized in a way where it's, I never have to do anything because I'm always like organizing it for something. I'm going to do that on that day in the future. Yeah. Um, so I never have to do that right now. Yeah. Um, clearly they work. So it's kind of this thing where it's like, you never have to, like, say yes to somebody and do it right away. It's always just like, yes, but I've already, like, I'm backlogged on these things because mm-hmm. I have a schedule. And I was like, wow, kind of, like, 
a genius way to like get out of doing anything and yeah, I kind I mean, of feel that as a lazy person of like for sure I, I'll do it but like I I've worked my life so that I never actually have to get anything done right now yeah that's very in keeping with just like his character in general throughout the whole thing of like he never has a plan and he just kind of like you know goes by the, the seat of his ass you know he just is always yeah. you know off the cuff never really playing ahead of time and that's a smart move because then you never have to unexpectedly have to do something that you don't want to do I did watch the movie again like have one of those moments where I was like should I just run away should I just literally <laughs> go live in the desert with somebody and like just be a hired hand you know just like live in day to day any I could end up anywhere there's it's always like that romantic idea of living like that which you know then you watch something like maybe like Nomadland where you're like well it's not always as you know lovely and you still gotta fucking afford to live and shit like that but it's like Sometimes just, like, living in the world that we've created for ourselves in which money rules everything and everybody's in debt and everybody's fucking miserable and we never get out of it. Then I'm like, I just want to exist on Earth. Like, I just want to exist on Earth and, like, enjoy my days. Mm-hmm. And that's just the way that that seems, like, literally fucking impossible sometimes. I'm like, yeah. fuck it. I'm going to fucking go find a giant worm if yeah, I get to Get off the grid, girl. Life. Yeah. If that's the worst thing i got to deal with, honestly, not that bad. Yeah, I Not can. that bad. <clears throat> okay, so what is your favorite kill? My hero kill um, is actually one of the early ones outside of town, um, and I really, really liked it. I wrote it down. And I was like, I don't know that anything's going to top this. Is after they, they're trying to get out of town. I don't even remember what the fuck they're saying, but they come by construction workers and they're telling them something, and they kind of like disregard it or whatever, yada yada yada, and they move on. Um, so then it's just a few construction workers, and they've got like a jackhammer, and then one guy's jackhammering, and then all of a sudden he breaks through the ground, and blood comes mm-hmm. up, and I, which I just thought was such a fun visual because like literally how fucking freaky and horrifying is that? Like when you, with no knowledge that there's anything under the ground, blood comes up. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? So of course then he's like, you know, and then immediately, um, the jackhammer gets like kind of like sucked into the ground and like he loses control of it so then it's like jacking but it's getting dragged along the ground um and i think he gets caught up in the wire of it or whatever and he gets dragged up the hill by some unseen force that's pulling his jackhammer and of course the other guy is like you know clueless to anything or whatever he doesn't know what's going on either and he just gets pulled up over the top of the hill and you just like hear him like scream as he's you know in theory being like killed eaten and i just like that was one of those ones where it's like yeah i didn't need to see it because the setup of it was so good of like just like truly that initial like breaking through the earth and blood comes up is fucking freaky as fuck like debatably in my opinion i think it might be the freakiest fucking like thing of the whole movie because after that like yes the worms are freaky but we've already established and we've seen them like we know they're here that moment of not knowing a damn thing is off and blood comes out of the ground in fucking sane and then yeah then just like immediately like no time missed you see that no time to process dragged up a fucking cliff to be eaten mm-hmm. yeah that's definitely my favorite yeah, and, I, and like, it goes back to what I was saying earlier where, like, so much of the blood and gore that we do get is from the actual worms themselves. Yes. Because um, I think, like, when they discover his body, you see, like, a little bit of brain and, like, hair here and there, like, near his helmet. Um, yeah. Which is, like, you know, fine. But, yeah, I do think that that has such a great combination of the gore element, but also, like, letting your imagination kind of run wild with what is happening to him, which is what I find in these kills to be the scariest part. I actually like all of the kills i think they're all creative and like scary in their own way um you kind of already touched upon mine but i will go into it in a little bit more detail my favorite kill 
is the doctor's wife. Her name is Megan. Um, yeah, I tried to restrain myself because I was like, there's a chance this will be her kill. I don't want to, like, step by step fucking talk about it. Um, I mean, that scene, I think his his is also very good where, you know, it's the, the classic, like, you know, I think they're just moving into town and they hear something and, of course, he has to go investigate it and she's like, let's go, let's go. And he gets, he ends up getting, like, sucked into the, the ground and essentially, I think he's probably, like, his bottom half is probably inside the worm's mouth and then he's... Who knows if he's going to suffocate or if he's going to get, you know, ripped in half first underneath. We don't get to see it. But I think the, like, trauma of seeing your husband get fucking, like, pulled into the earth and killed is horrible. And then this poor woman, she has to run back to her car and she gets in and she thinks she's safe because she's hiding. But she knocks the fucking radio, which kicks on this, like, country song that I'm sure the vibrations and the sound is what draws them to her car which is so unfortunate and they're like slapping their fucking little mouths up against all of the windows and it's like slimy and gross and she's so scared and then they leave and it kind of reminds me of um and scream and Ghostface is like trying and then he like goes underneath yes, the car yes 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 and you're like oh my god where is he and she's like locking all the doors trying desperately to like you know keep herself safe and it's that moment where they have understood what's happening and they're like okay we're gonna re- reassess the situation we're gonna redirect and instead, since we can't get into the car, we're going to just take the car with us, which is so scary because as they start pulling it down, my initial thought was, oh my God, this poor woman is now going to be sucked into the earth and she's just going to have to live in this car until <laughs> she just she, like, like continues on with her life. But well, in the I car literally thought that like she was like the car was going to go down and she was just going to be stuck alive in the car until like her oxygen ran out or she like died of hunger or thirst and that scared me enough but then as the car is going in the pressure from the dirt breaks all the windows and the car starts filling with dirt and that shit is like one of my biggest nightmares because it's claustrophobic Mm -hmm. it's worse than drowning in my opinion because it's a suffocation where like you know all the dirt is going to go in your lungs and your nose and your mouth and you're just going to be choking on it and so they don't show anything. They just show, like, the car going down. But knowing that that's what that woman is experiencing is so fucking horrible to me. It's like being buried alive. I do not fuck with it. So I feel like deaths like that, for me, sometimes are more effective than if they had shown her getting, like, ripped apart. Yeah. Uh, apparently, they were – originally, that scene was supposed to be longer. They were supposed to have the car start to go down, and she was supposed to, like, break a window and climb out to, like, the hood and then get sucked down outside of the car but i guess the it took the like technicality of it all took too long and then like you know they didn't have enough time left to shoot the rest of it and i think what they came up with is more effective personally because the feeling of being trapped in something that you cannot get out of that is now filling with dirt fucking horrible i don't want anything to do with it Mm -hmm. so effective my favorite kill hands down i think and then coming back to once again having like great just like quick visuals where you're like Jesus, that's fucking horrifying, is when they go to look for them mm. after and Kevin Bacon, or, or rather Val and Earl, find it, and they hear music, and they're like, what mm-hmm. is that? And they brush away dirt, and there is the lit headlight of the car, like, literally where their feet are standing. Yeah. So it's, like, pointed up toward them. It kind of gave me Jurassic Park vibes of, like, when the Jeep is, like, hanging the tree. Like, shit, where it's, like, one of those weird, cre- like, things that, like, for me, I'm, like, that's so fucking scary. Where it's, like, a car is where it shouldn't be. Yeah. Like, a car is, like, dangling and it's going to crush you from a tree. Or, like, a car is now buried beneath the earth because it got sucked down there and someone died in it. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just, like, one of those, like, freaky things where you're, like, that's not supposed to happen. And some 
my brain is like, I don't want to see that. No, it's 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 gross. It's cool. I hate it. I love it. <laughs> uh, well, moving on to our last regulated question, which is, if you had a partner in crime in this movie, who would it be? This is one of the easier ones for me because I love Earl so much. He is King my Earl. In crime. I love Earl. I think that he is funny and he's smart and he seems like he would be easy to get along with. He's I don't think he's very hard on the eyes, personally. I'm um, a fucking sus that you're into Earl. I'm, and I'm not I'm, even judging you. I'm not even judging you. I'm into I'm Earl. I don't give it. a shit. I think he's fucking great. He's a, he's my favorite character. Listen, I, I have would no grounds to die. stand on to ever judge anyone for their attracted to, girl. I just saw the new Spider-Man two days ago. This is literally no fucking spoilers. Willem Dafoe be looking so fucking delicious. I'm not even kidding. He looks so good. I can't. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Shut up. <laughs> He's, I, listen, we're all thinking it, and if you guys want to live in a fucking lie, live in a fucking lie. We all know that he's hot. Let's move on. <laughs> Willem Dafoe is an incredible actor. I love him. I will never say that he's hot, but I know that he has a huge dick because I've seen it. That doesn't matter to me. Okay, well, I'm just telling you. <laughs> I'm just telling you that you know Willem Dafoe's hot, and when you're ready to I come don't. to the light, I'll be here to embrace I you. Don't. Anyways, back to what you are saying about Earl. You. Yeah, I just, it's, it's Earl. It's always Earl. It's always going to be Earl. It's always been you, Earl. Yeah. No one else. That's it. Just him. Oh, well, big old fucking shocker about who the fuck I'm going to pick. Gun in my mouth. Um, I'm picking Bert for numerous reasons before y'all come for my fucking neck. Um, because, yes, because Bert looks like fucking Pedro Pascal and Bert looks like Bert Reynolds and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> what the fuck ever? Y'all can fucking stop at my grave. I don't give a fuck. But beyond all of that, incredibly well prepared. Absolutely. So if I'm hitched to fucking Bert as my partner, mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm going to have the means to get out alive. I also appreciate I am in no way a gun person. Let me just make that fucking clear by any means. Um, but what I appreciate about Bert and his relationship to his wife, Heather, who – not Heather. Yes, Heather. Yes. Who in this instance in my world, my partnership with Bert would be a marriage. Um, is just like kind of like how in sync with each other they are. Like that's kind of like an ideal relationship where like not that you need to be the exact same person, but like they're very much on the same wavelength the whole time. Like, and she has moments where she's like, Bert, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, not that they're, they're, they're lovey-dovey and they never get on each other's nerves or blah, blah, but, like, they're just, like, in it. They're like, we are a unit. Like, I've got your back, you've got my back. Mm-hmm. Like, we, like, are dead. We are into the same things. We do things together. When it comes down to, like, the real fucking telling moments of, like, we might die and kill by this giant worm, absolutely no one is leaving anybody behind. We're fucking sticking our fucking ground. We're going to fight to the death together. And I was just like, damn, I want that ride or die energy. So, Bert a thousand fucking percent is my pick. Um, and you know what? This motherfucker franchised. Mm-hmm. Fucking yeah. seven movies deep. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm hitching my wagon to Bert. You get to watch him many, many, many more films if you end up going through the series. <laughs> Literally God bless. such delusion happening. No, I, well, Earl is also in the sequel, so, you know, I'll be checking that shit out. Is he? Mm-hmm. Oh, well. Sure is. Winner, winner, chicken dinner for us, girl. I know. We gotta check that shit out. Um, <laughs> Not me thirst-watching Trevor's <laughs> Lord have mercy. Ooh, 2022 is gonna be an interesting year it's for us. It's gonna be an interesting time, maybe. Ooh. Especially if we lock down. Girl, we lock down again. I, I don't want it to happen. I will fucking truly be in a dark place. First thing I'm fucking doing. We're marathoning Trevor's, bitch. Trevor's two through fucking seven. Once, I mean, we're recording this in December, and so up until, like, the fucking January 1st, like, I have to 
try to make myself only exclusively watch 2021 releases because I want to see as much new shit as possible so I can make my fucking lists. But, like, you know that the second January 1st hits, bitch, I don't give a shit about the movies that came out in 2021 anymore. No, exactly. I they don't watching. exist. Tremors yeah. 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. <laughs> it's Tremors weekend. Oh, yeah, Greg's um, going to love that. <laughs> cannot wait. All right, well, now it's time to get into the really fun part, which is our original questions. Um, so why don't you go first? Yes. So um, I had a difficult time trying to come up with something just because I feel like a lot of things I had originally thought of were questions I'd asked you in the past, and I want to keep it fresh. So this is not like a super extensive question, um, but okay. it's a two-parter. Um, All So like we had said, I don't really know a ton of films where the creatures come from the ground. Uh-huh. Um, and so to start off, if you were in this situation, you were in perfection or some similar type setting and you had to fight creatures, would you personally prefer to have to fight off creatures that came from the ground or creatures that were in the air flying around? Um, damn. I mean, both are not ideal. No. Um, <laughs> I yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sure contextually it, it would matter, like, where I am geologically. Let's say you're in perfection. I do mean, you, Do you okay, think it would desert. be easier to do the ground worms or some kind of, like, flying worm? Fuck. That's so hard because it's just so much open space. Yeah, like, I know. Um, I would say... I would say ground worms. Yeah, because I think I agree. In theory, like, if, first of all, like... I don't know that any of the buildings in Perfection are really going to protect you because, as we saw, the groundworms can come up through the floors. Presumably, if some big-ass fucking flying creature was there, it could bust through the windows. It could rip off the fucking roof and get me. Whereas, at least for a good period of time, they managed to survive by being up off mm-hmm. the ground. Whereas, like, I can't be... If I'm up on a roof, the fucking flying thing is just going to get me. And it's going to take they, you somewhere. <laughs> and uh, truly, other than Bert's fucking bunker, yeah. which you can, like, truly, I don't know how many people that can fit, and, like, you'd have to get there in the first place. There's not really any basements, it seems like, situations going on where I could hide out underneath anything. It's a fucking desert. Mm-hmm. Where it seems like in a desert, there's more probability of having big rocks or mountainous things that you can get up off the ground rather than things that you could go underground to avoid something flying. So I'm, I'm going underground worms. Yeah, I agree. Okay, and then part two of that question is... So, in this film, as we've discussed, um, they don't have eyes because they, evolutionary-wise, do not need eyes because they're under the ground. Um, And so, similar to, like, the sharks and jaws where, like, they detect you from the sounds, the vibrations, your movements, you know, that's that's pretty spooky. If you, again, were in the situation, would you rather fight a creature that does not have eyes and can only sense you through your movement, or would you rather something that can see you but cannot hear you at an in any way jesus god am i still in perfection yeah it's got it's a worm but it's got eyes on you but it cannot hear you hearing me i don't want them to hear me because if i'm perfection most of it it's the desert so when it's sunny out it's fucking bright and sunny there's not a lot of places to hide and because it's the desert once again there isn't a lot of landscape that it feels like you could, like, be undercover in to move mm-hmm. even in the darkness. So I feel like if there was a creature that could see, the probability of me getting caught is much more than if I was doing a whole, like, pole vaulting on rocks or whatever the fuck I had to do. I feel like I would have a much easier time hiding if they can't hear me rather than if they can't see me in that situation. 
So you want the opposite of what this film is? No, I want what this film is. Okay, I don't so want, them, want I don't to... want them to, I don't want them to see me. Okay, so they can hear you, but they can't see you. Yes, that's what I I don't know what the fuck I said, that's but fine. that's what so I So essentially meant. this film is your ideal situation if you had to go. <laughs> My ideal vacation is going to perfection <laughs> where the tremors worms are. So you think yeah. that you could easily kill the graboids, got it. I well, I didn't say I could easily kill. <laughs> I just think given the options, that's my best cool. scenario. Good. Then they had it pretty good. You guys had it easy. <laughs> um, are you would you be the same? Would you want them to Um, I feel like I would rather have a creature that could see me but not hear me because it will get nighttime. I mean, I'm sure they could, if they have vision, they probably could have like fucking night vision, but you know, I feel like I could easily hide places, but like, I don't know. I feel like trying to hide your, your vibrations from your movement and your voice is more difficult than like physically hiding your body, but you know. Who knows? Because then you could, like, also, like, throw something and they could, like, see movement and, like, run that way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there's pros and cons to both. I don't, you know, personally want to ever experience either, but. Well, I always think of, like, the basilisk or whatever the fuck it is mm-hmm. in Harry Potter when it does get blind and then he's in those tunnels and he does, well, yeah, that's like, another kind thing. of what you were saying. Like, he throws the, the stone mm-hmm. in the one tunnel because he can't see him so he can go the other way. Well, that's another thing. Like, how are you going to eliminate their ability to feel your vibrations, you could blind it, and then it has absolutely no senses to get you. That is true, but mm. I would have to get close enough to blind it. Oh, you could just pepper spray it from a distance. No, right. <laughs> I come, I come strapped with my pepper spray. Well, if you're with Bert, you never know. Bert, can I have the pepper spray out of your purse? Thank you. Um, all right, my question, which I did give you a little heads up on, just mm-hmm. because it can be a little extensive, and I will say now, you don't have to do. You can do as many characters as you would like to do. Okay. You can do one person. It doesn't matter. As I was kind of talking about for the episode, we, as we've talked about many times, there's many movies. There was even a fucking one-scene TV show of this film. But in the world of cinema as we are, it's only a matter of time, I'm sure, before they remake the original Tremors. Mm-hmm. Um, so if there was a modern-day recast remake of Tremors, who would you want to be in it? What role would they play? Mm-hmm. Answer that how you okay. would. I spent a lot of time trying to figure this out because... As did I. <laughs> I. I want to give, like, good answers and something that I would actually want to see. But it's, it was so hard because I feel like the tone of this film, if the remake had the same kind of tone, is yeah. kind of difficult to cast because you need to have somebody who can, like, physically do action but also, like, have a silly, like, campy kind of vibe to them. So, you know, in my remake, I'm going to imagine that it's maybe not necessarily the same characters or, like, okay. I'm going to gender flop a few people, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of having like two male leads and like a female love interest, like in a very hetero way, I don't know if I want that. Um, but one person for sure that I want to play Earl, if Earl comes back as like that character, is Timothy Oliphant. Oh my fucking god, bro! You're a fucking genius. Yes, because Timothy Oliphant is an incredible actor in general, but he's also hilarious. He's hot. I like he's done a lot of like he he was in Deadwood. He's like done a lot of things in like mm-hmm. that are more like western like desert type things so I can He was in The Mandalorian, him. bitch. Timothy Oliphant, I am such a fucking slut for Timothy. I would let him run me fucking over with a bulldozer and I would thank him. Yeah. So he's hands down my my person for Earl. Oh, fuck. It's like there's certain people you say their fucking names and immediately your body is just like I can't think about anything. <laughs> <laughs> Timothy Oliphant. <laughs> like, no question. I, like, I've been struggling with trying to cast that role. And this morning I woke up and I was like, Timmy, done. 
no Tim, question. Tim, there was a split second where I was like, if she fucking says um, Timothy Chalamet, Timothy Chalamet, I will hang up the call. <laughs> I will be like, you know what, girl, I love you. I can't do this today. No, I would not. Um, and then I think the uh, then I have two women, and I'm not sure which I would want to play Rhonda and which I would want to play the Val character. But I'm thinking that I would like as Rhonda, Kristen Bell, because okay. I think she's really funny, and I think mm-hmm. that she could do, you know. I think we could, like, have her be blonde and have her be, like, maybe more of that archetype, but also be incredibly intelligent and silly. Um, And then, because I'm just, like, obsessed with her right now, she's currently, like, my favorite comedian, I want Val to be played by Patty Harrison. Which one's Patty Harrison? She is, uh, she does a lot of work with I Think You Should Leave. Um, She was in (gasps) movies Together Together. She's so fucking funny. Yes. She just has, like, a really, What an interesting pick for Val. Yeah, she's very dry, but, like, I just watched Together Together where she's the lead with Ed Helms, and she's just, like, a really, really great actress, and she has a really great presence, and I think, you know, I want to give, I want to see her in more lead roles in general, Mm -hmm. and I think, you know, why not have her be the, like, kind of, like, himbo-type, silly, like, Val who comes around and maybe, maybe that character with Kristen Bell, maybe the Timothy Oliphant character, I don't really give a shit, does not matter. Maybe none of them. Maybe they're maybe. all just friends. Yeah, and then I think um, the only other person I thought about, this is maybe kind of a left field pick, but for Burt, instead of going the like, you know, Burt Reynolds cowboy type uh-huh. guy, I would love to see like Terry Crews because he's so fucking love jacked Terry. and he's hilarious and I'm obsessed with Terry Crews and I think he could be really funny to be like this badass dude yeah. trying to like kill all these people and as his wife, I want just recast Reba. <laughs> bring Reba back, babe. Yeah, Reba. I For still sure. want Reba. I did think about that when I did too. I was like, should I just make it Reba again? Yeah, that's who I think I would cast. It would be a very interesting um, collaboration, a very interesting ensemble there, but I'm into it. Incredible. Okay, hmm. I went through and cast, recast, essentially the main group. Okay. So this is the order that I have them written down in. Okay. To play Mindy, who is the little fucking pogo stick oh, oh, girl. Oh, sorry. You just reminded me. I would have um, also as Melvin. Is that his name? The boy. The, the, annoying, the annoying boy. boy. Obviously, yeah. it's going to be um, Jacob Tremblay. As the annoying boy. Okay. Yes. I yeah. want him. You know, because I think he could play annoying very well. And he's getting to that, that young teenage where I feel like he's always played the sweet, cute, innocent boy who I want to adopt. Mm-hmm. But, like, give him some fucking range. Have him be obnoxious. Now, now he's obnoxious. That's well, the range. Now he's that age where I hate all fucking kids. I know. Um, okay. Mindy, who is Pogo Stick Girl. Mm-hmm. I have Kaylee Fleming, who plays um, Judith Grimes, Rick Grimes' daughter on The Walking Dead. Okay. You lo- from the House of the Head. Yes, love her. Creep show episode. Yes. Love her icon. Want her more. To play Val, one of my faves, Wyatt Russell. Okay. I love White Russell. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. That's a good choice. Of course, for Bert, Pedro Pascal. I of want. Of course. William Bookton Busy Girl. And I just like cannot even talk about him anymore for my own safety. Um, Earl, John Bernthal. Come on. Yes. I, I knew um, the second you brought him up. I was like, that's Yeah, I mean, pick. come on. That's great. For um, Rhonda, I put uh, Lupita Nyongo. Okay. Cool. Um, because she kind of played. Not as similar, but she, it made me think of that role she did in Little Monsters, that Hulu horror movie Mm -hmm. where she's, like, a teacher, where it's, like, it is horror, it is funny, but she is, she's playing very, like, sweet and, like, nice, but, like, also capable in a situation. I also think that Lupita has such a a strong and, like, intelligent-looking demeanor. Like, she just seems like a very well-spoken woman, and I feel like she could play the, like, scientist-type role very, very well. I agree. I believe it instantly. 
Um, Heather, which would have been Reba's role. Mm-hmm. I put uh, Betty Gilpin, who okay. you might know from The Hunt. Yep. I love her as Liberty Bell on Glow. Um, Miguel, which is the guy. I don't remember what his job is in the town, but he's there with them on the roof. Mm-hmm. Um, I put George Lopez, because what the fuck is George Lopez doing? We haven't seen him in so long. And as far as I know, he's not... <laughs> He's not a bad person. He hasn't done anything bad. So, yeah, fucking let's <laughs> okay. get George Lopez booked and busy. Um, shop owner Walter. I'm not going to pronounce his name right. I'm apologizing now. Um, but he's from uh, Train to Busan, and he was actually just in The Eternals. Okay. Uh, Is he the Ma- lead from Train to Busan? No. Um, he's, like, the the guy, the heavier guy who, like, it's, he's with his wife. Yes, yes. And, and he, yes, like, he um, like, helps them. I like that guy. Yes. Yeah. His name is Ma Dong Dash Seok. I, I know I'm not pronouncing that right. I'm so sorry. You don't sorry. say the dash, but that's okay. <laughs> I mean, as I'm reading out, I need to say dash, this is your name. Um, anyways, that's what I picked for that. And my Good last choice. two, Nancy, who is the hippie mom to the pogostick daughter, mm-hmm. Miss Laura Dern. Oh, yeah. Um, Great choice. Which well, I think would be funny. kind of referential. Yes. Because, yeah, the girl that plays pogostick girl in Tremors is the blonde girl from Jurassic Park. Yes. Um, and lastly... For my Melvin choice for the annoying boy, I put um, Logan Kim, who is the cute little kid that plays podcast in the new Ghostbusters movie. Okay. I don't know if I know who that is. The name sounds familiar. I'm going to look him I up. don't know if he's been in anything else. This was the first thing I recalled seeing him in. Um, Logan Kim. And he's a young boy. Oh, yes. He's pretty young. He's like 14, I think. Oh, yeah. This is his only thing, really. Okay. No, he's a cutie. So, he seems like he could be a little shit. I believe it. Um, so, yeah, that's my pick for a modern-day recast. Nice. So, any huge, big Hollywood execs listening, please take note. And then if you do decide to run with this, please compensate me. Yeah, I really do think that all of your choices are great. I also am going to throw in Timothy Oliphant again as a yeah. a really strong contender there. Get Listen, him, I want John Bernthal booked and busy, but I would not be mad about Timothy Oliphant being booked and busy. Yeah, because Timothy Oliphant could also play a different role if – John was just a better Earl. I mean, I think he's really versatile. He can do anything. He could play the worm. We can just make Earl. Now he's twin brothers. Timmy can be the worm. Yeah. I don't care. Timmy can be the worm. Timmy voicing the fucking graboid. Timothy Chalamet voicing the graboid. No, 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 no. (laughs) No, uh, bring Zelda Rubenstein back, and she should have done the voice (gasps) of the worm. Is she alive? I don't think so. I think she passed. I love her. Um, Yeah, okay, well. That's Tremors, I guess. Let's give our final thoughts and ratings on this bad boy. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I'll go first since this was my pick. Um, I really love this film. I think it has everything you kind of need in, like, a campy, silly horror comedy. Um, and, you know, after talking about it, I still have really good times. So I'm going to up, up my little letterbox rating that I gave it. And I'm just going to go fucking four stars baby it's a boy next door i love it i have a great nice. time i feel like there's such a rewatch ability with this film where like I, I i could watch it right now again even though i watched it two days ago and i would have a good time with it because i feel like there's so many little one-liners that yes. you might have missed the first time around that like will or will make more sense after watching it again like i know i had rewatched the beginning because i was reading a lot about it and the opening s- shot is kevin bacon like peeing off the cliff where the the worm ends up dying and in the background you can like see the rocks that they climb on it's just like from the jump like foreshadowing what we're gonna have yeah and i think obviously you don't you know pick up on that the first time you watch it so like on a second viewing i think you could really see a lot more that you you maybe missed the first time through so i think it's a great time you know 
it's not an Oscar film by any means, but like it's a really good creature movie. It's really funny. The pacing is great. The writing is great. I have a wonderful time with it. And I look forward to watching the dumbass sequels. Uh, me and you both. I was originally going to give this a dumb jock. Mm-hmm. Three out of five. And I don't think that's a bad thing. But honestly, after discussing it and kind of truly just like harping on like how well done it is in so many facets, I'm also going to go ahead and give it a boy next door. Oh my four, god. Four out of five. Yeah. Look at us. Look at us making That's the highest changes. rating we've, con- you know, both given a film in a while. A final Girl? I don't think we've done a Final Girl yet. I think Cornelia gave a Final Girl for Butcher Bigger Nightmare Maker. Did, Did you? I? Maybe. You I love know. Butcher. Ugh. I don't remember what I gave. I think I gave Boy Next Door. Doesn't matter. But yeah, so solid four out of five. A oh, definite yeah. recommend from the Girls Who Cried Be Horror. Um, yeah, I mean, it's fucking Tremors. Even if you have to fucking, if you don't want to watch ads, I'm sure you can rent it for like fucking $2 on Prime. Mm-hmm. Or do what I like to do and go to your local library and take out the DVD. Yeah. I love doing that shit. It's like going to like the only thing remotely like a blockbuster nowadays. Um, I always forget to do that, but it's such a good idea. It's so, it's smart. so fun. Um, and you're supporting yeah. your local library. Hell yeah. Um, I fucking love the library, bro. I love it. Um, yeah. So that was, as Alex said, Tremors for our start of the new year. Um, if you haven't listened to it already, because it would have come out pretty recently right before this, um, make sure to check out our end of the year special in which, like we did for 2020, we review our individually each our top five so in total 10 favorite horror films of the year we also give some other recommendations for other horror films we talk about films that we're excited for in the new year it's just a really fun episode there's no spoilers purposefully because it is just us trying to recommend to y'all so we don't want to spoil anything for you um and it's really fun to do it so definitely check it out um be prepared for obviously we're still in our season two so we're still finishing out that season but more fun stuff to come for the rest of season two of the girls who cried be horror and then of course more fun stuff in the next season that will start at some point in 2022 but we hope that you all have a lovely start to your new year god forbid this comes out and we're on a fucking lockdown girl i think it's i will possible. cry i know <gasps> But I'm praying now, y'all. I'm trying to put it into fucking the works. I'm trying to manifest that that isn't the case. But anyways, happy 2022. Go watch Tremors. Stay fucking beautiful, y'all. And as always, keep it creepy. Bye, guys. Bye. The girls who cried be Hi, creeps, and thank you for listening to another episode of The Girls Who Cried Be Horror. We would not be able to make this podcast, though, completely on our own, and we have some folks that we would love to thank. Um, First and foremost, if you've noticed, we have amazing new artwork, and we have to thank our friend Raymond Lowell, who commissioned it for us. Uh, You can follow him on Instagram and see all his other amazing art at rblowell. Who else, Alex? Uh, We would love to thank, yet again, for another season, our lovely friend nathan graham who made our beautiful introduction music um and he sings the girls who cried be horror um you can follow him at instant underscore grams like his name um and you can also check out his podcast with our other friend jonah uh, called the commonwealth 
Yes, all good spooky content. Yes. And of course, if you can't get enough of us, we're on social media too. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at the Girls Who Cried Be Horror, on Twitter at Girls Who Cried BH. And if you really want to write us a whole novella, baby, you can send us an email at the Girls Who Cried Be Horror at gmail.com. We always want to hear your thoughts and opinions and your insight. Uh, and if you want to follow us individually on social media, you're welcome to do that as well. Uh, I am at G-Way Forever. That is G-E-E-W-A-Y, number four, and then ever on Instagram. At agarity15 on Twitter. And uh, Anya Garrity on Letterboxd if you really want my uh, my film insight. Alex? Yeah, and if you want to check out the uh, three tweets and Instagram posts I do a year, you can check me out uh, yeah. at Alex Branley. Because I'm very basic on Twitter, Instagram, or Letterboxd. It's all the same. I'm just Alex Bradley. <laughs> she makes it easy for you, folks. Yeah. She makes it easy for you. Um, but that's all we have for now. So we'll see you creeps next time. Goodbye. Bye-bye.